0: Hi, it's Richard from the Story Walk Podcast. The Story Walk Podcast is composed of real stories that I make up while I am out hiking, snowshoeing, skiing and backpacking with my children. You may notice background noise during the podcast due to the real nature of recording these stories in the outdoors. The Story Walk Podcast is supported by 10 Go on 10 adventures to find great family adventures in over 60 countries on Earth. Imagine a family friendly safari in the Serengeti, exploring Inca ruins in Peru, a cycling holiday on car free roads in Germany, and many, many more great ideas. To find all the great family adventure ideas and to make memories that will last a lifetime, check out tenadventures.com family. Now on to today's story. This is part two of the Monsieur Le Ghetto story about the incredible diamond. Listen in to hear what happens to Monsieur le Ghetto.
1: We spent two days crossing the island on our dog sleds, looking in hills, exploring. None of the places looked right, until finally on the third day, there was a very peculiar looking hill. A Tanduit made me understand. But she felt this hill was going to be the one. She said it had mythical properties amongst the Inuit. And she was very, very hopeful that we would find the entrance here. We set up a camp, which for a Tanjuit was very, very easy. She quickly built an igloo for her and another for me. She broke out some frozen fish she had caught before we started and gave each dog one enormous frozen fish. There was no way we could have fire, for there was no wood. So for us, she had some frozen caribou, which she had caught, which we ate raw. And surprisingly, it wasn't very bad. The next morning we woke up, and we put on snowshoes. For we were going to give the sled dogs a rest today. They had worked very hard the prior days. We went on our snowshoes and explored. We explored the entire side of the mountain that faced us. And although we saw a couple rocky outcroppings that looked hopeful, there was no way inside. I was ready to give up. It did not appear there would be a way to get in. I interjected. But surely you must have explored the other side? You only looked at half of it, Monsieur Leghetto. Don't get ahead of my story, he said. Yes, we explored the other side the next day. And the other side also had no entrances. I was truly dejected at this point. This was the best hope to find the entrance to the cave. But now we didn't even know if this was the right mountain. I looked at Monsieur Gateau.
0: He couldn't have given up. No, he has this enormous diamond.
1: How did he do it? What happened next, Monsieur Gateau? Well, a Tandu does not give up. That is why she's the most famous hunter and explorer in all of the Arctic. I went to bed that night inside my igloo, which, I will have you know, is much more comfortable than a tent. It was a very nice place to sleep. When I woke up the next morning, I came out of my igloo. I'd had a wonderful sleep, but I was grumpy, for I knew we may not ever find this diamond. Atandut was already up. In fact, she looked very tired. She then pointed at the moon, which was still in the sky, and then she pointed at the mountain. I quickly realized She'd been up all night using the moon to explore. She beckoned me to follow her even before having any food. I put on my snowshoes and quickly followed her. As we went up, we covered ground we'd covered the previous days, but we hadn't been able to explore every single metre of that mountain. And as we went around, I noticed there was a little hole in the mountain right at the top. In fact, now that it was sunny out, it looked like there was an eye in the very top of the mountain. I wondered to myself how we had missed that. And when we got up to it, I realized there had been a rock in front of it and a had must have pushed that rock away. When I looked through that hole in the rock, I'll admit I was surprised, but not surprised, that it was an opening to what looked like a cave. The opening was tiny, no bigger than a man could fit through. And inside it was dark. I could see nothing. Just then, a tanduit walked away. I didn't know what was happening. I stood there, squinting, trying to peer in. I heard some grumbling and some grunting. Just then, a ray of sunshine lit up the cave. I looked over. A tanduit had moved a different rock it was possible to see inside. And in fact, the sun was coming just in perfectly. I looked inside and the cave glittered. It was like there were lamps on every surface.
0: I looked at Monsieur Gateau. Could the sides have been full
1: of diamonds? I asked him, were these all diamonds you were seeing? You see, I am not a gemologist. I don't know what they were. I took one, which you see over there. They may be diamonds, they may just be shiny rocks. What happened next? Well, there was a problem to get into the cave. It was a drop straight down. Even with the sunlight coming in through the other side. I couldn't tell how far down it went. It might have been 20 feet. It might have been 2,000 feet. I didn't know what to do. Luckily, a Tandoot motioned to me and made me understand I should climb down. Now earlier in my life I had been a little bit of a mountaineer. I was the third person to climb the famous Mont Blanc in France, the highest mountain in Western Europe. But that had been with a harness and an ice axe, as well as with ropes and lanterns and other experienced mountaineers to help me. I had none of those things here. I cursed myself for forgetting to bring an ice axe or a rope or a harness. But looking at these rocks, I realized if they were diamonds, an ice axe would not work against them. The reason my ice axe would not work were because diamonds are strongest material on earth and ice axe would not be able to work against them. It didn't matter. I would have to free climb this diamond wall. The diamonds were very sharp, but luckily I had a pair of leather gloves. I put them on and realized the diamonds were just big enough that I could use them to put my feet on and to hold on to and I slowly started to climb down into the cave. The deeper I got, the bigger the diamonds became. Finally, I noticed in the center an enormous outcrop. When I saw this enormous outcropping, I assumed it must be near the bottom. But as I got farther down, I realized I wasn't even close to the bottom yet. And I went farther and farther and farther. Finally, I got to the bottom. Here the bottom was actually all water. All around this enormous diamond that was in the middle was water and the water was moving this must be a river but where did it go i probed around and noticed that at one end the water was going out there was a little whirlpool it must go into the mountain i thought and with the speed the water's going out I knew there must be a waterfall nearby. I decided I had to be very, very careful about what I was doing. For if I fell in the water, I would be sucked into an underground river where there'd be no place to breathe and an enormous underground waterfall. And that terrified me.
0: I looked at Monsieur Gateau. That did sound terrifying, I thought. Imagine it being pitch black and being sucked under water and going over a waterfall.
1: Now, the prince had wanted me to bring back this central diamond, but I knew already that would be impossible for it was too big. It was the size of a small building, and the hole with which I got into the cave would be too small. Potentially, I could roll it down the underground river, but I would need hundreds of helpers, and there was just a tandoot at the top. I decided I would instead provide the prince a perfect map, so that he could get another explorer or a team of explorers to come and get the diamond. I felt certain that would be worth something to him, and he might repay some of my debts. To prove I had been here, I picked up a loose diamond that was enormous and sitting on the ground. You can see that diamond on that bookshelf. It is the biggest diamond that's ever been known to humankind. Well, humankind except for me, for I have seen thousands of bigger ones inside that mine. I put that diamond in my backpack and slowly started to climb out. However, when I picked that diamond up, I noticed the mine gave a shudder. As I climbed up the walls, I noticed that some of the diamonds I grabbed onto would fall away. I was certain I was going up the same route. These diamonds had been very secure when I went down. And with every foot I climbed higher, the diamonds got looser. If there had been anyone else in that mine, they would have been hit by the diamonds I was dislodging. Soon I just had to touch a diamond, and it would fall away. I had to move as quick as I could, quicker than I did on the summit of Mont Blanc. I soon realized I must have hit a booby trap when I touched that diamond and put it in my backpack. For now diamonds were falling all around the whole cave was shaking and I could hear a sound for the water was rising. All these diamonds must have blocked the waterfall. Soon the water was just beneath me. I was getting very worried. If the water reached me and then froze, I'd be frozen in the ice forever. I was almost running up the side of this cave just then, the water reached the other opening on the other side, blocking the light. The cave went black. I could not even see where my hands and feet were going. All I could see was at the very top a little dot of light and the fur from a tandoot's coat. I climbed up quickly, the dot of light becoming bigger and bigger. Eventually, I grabbed a Tandu's hand and she pulled me out. We jumped out of the cave and just then water exploded. I had just made it out in time. A tanduit was very worried and she motioned we had to get away. And she was right, all the water was going down the side of this mountain and turning it into pure ice. We had to get away. I was worried that our dog sleds would get iced in. Without the dog sleds there was no way we'd ever get back to where the plane had dropped me off. We ran down the mountains a wall of water following us. The dogs knew something was up. Thankfully, a had put them in their leashes, being the morning. We jumped on our sleds, released the brake, and yelled at the dogs to run. They ran as fast as they'd ever run. Behind us, an enormous wave of water was trailing us. As I looked behind, I could swear I saw a face at the front. I thought to myself, this must surely be a cursed cave. A had looked behind as well, and she felt the same way. The dogs pulled the sled for hour after hour, and we got a little bit by little bit farther ahead of the water. Eventually, we went up another mountain, which the water couldn't go up, and we were safe. The dogs were exhausted, but we kept going, going overnight, and eventually getting back to where the plane had dropped me off. The plane was there again, and it brought me back to London where I met the prince. I did not tell him I had got a diamond but I told him the story I told you as well as I showed him a map. He was very unhappy. He demanded that I go back and get the diamond. Finally I brought him into my study. I was living in a different building and I showed him this. He was impressed, but he wanted more the diamond at the center of the cave. He let me keep this diamond, and because of how dangerous it was, he said I'd paid all my dues and settled all the debts. He then went away and died several years later himself on Baffin Island trying to cut through the ice to find the diamond. He was never seen after that. I looked at
0: Monsieur Legateau. What a story, I thought. This really was incredible. I went over and touched the diamond. It felt real. I looked at Monsieur Legateau. He had a little smile. I asked him, So what did you learn, Monsieur Legateau?
1: The lesson is, never take anything because it might be booby-trapped. I never thought of that, and I almost lost my life.
0: We both sat there in silence. I smiled, and then I said, Monsieur Gâteau, this has been an incredible story. I'm going to go back home and just think about it.
1: Thank you for stopping by,
0: said Monsieur legato He waved goodbye, and I went downstairs, impressed at another great story by Monsieur legato The end. Thanks for listening. If you like the show, please subscribe and give us a rating. This podcast and all the ideas and characters are copyrighted by myself, Richard. Bye-bye.